Just One More with Joanna and Daphne, a fitness and nutrition podcast for normal people who want to be more awesome. If you have trouble deciding between Just One More Cupcake and Just One More Kettlebell Swing, this is the podcast for you. I'm Joanna Shaw-Flam. I'm an actor, a comedian, and a normal person. And I'm Daphne Yang. I'm a certified personal trainer, certified nutrition counselor, and the creator of Hit It, New York's ultimate high-intensity interval training workout. And before we begin, remember to talk to your doctor or medical practitioner before starting any workout or nutrition plan. Um, are you on the Instagram? Are you on the Twitter? You should be following us because we're gramming and tweeting into the void without you. Uh, we want to hear from you, and we can do that on both of those things. We also want you to uh, hear from us about stuff that we talk about on the show, but maybe you forgot because you were, like, walking your dog while you listened or whatever. Yeah. What, do you, what do you think people do while they listen to our know. show? I think work out. Ugh, so basic. <laughs> Just kidding. It's totally great if you listen to us while you work out. Maybe commuting on the subway or mm-hmm. in your car if you are not in New York. Totally. Well, any of those would be a good reason to not remember absolutely everything from an episode, So follow us on Instagram and Twitter so that you can be reminded of the stuff we talk about when you're in a safe place to write it down. I mean, it's because of our Instagram that I know what episodes are airing. (laughs) That's true. So thank goodness for me following at Just One More Pod on Instagram, um, or else I would not know what to listen to. (laughs) So yes, on Instagram and Twitter, we're the same, at Just One More Pod. Uh, Follow us and say hello. Uh, We follow back. Holla. Uh, cool. Well, uh, today we're going to talk about something that is, I mean, all the topics we talk about, almost all the topics we talk about are serious. Um, but this is one of the ones that like ranges definitely from sort of like the like normal everyday like DIY solutions. Yeah, almost to, like comical like, sometimes. Yeah, I think to it's- like a much more serious um, end of things. And both of those are totally legitimate. Uh, and what we're going to talk about today is um, seasonal affective disorder and what we're calling the winter blues. Um, and so this time of year, if you live in the northern hemisphere, uh, you have less light. A lot of places, the weather is colder. And um, it's become uh, much more um, like talked about, this idea of SAD or seasonal affective disorder. Um, so seasonal effect, what is seasonal affective disorder? So the SADS, uh, Seasonal Affective Disorder. Also, I feel like it doesn't help people take this seriously, that the, um, uh, what do you call it? The, it's not anagram, it's the, that the abbreviation is SAD. I know, like, what are the chances of the abbreviation being SAD? Let's talk about a serious depression issue and just call it the SADS. I know, and it it actually, like, makes perfect sense, because you do feel very sad when, when it does hit you. Um, so, so I think we can just kind of refer to it as the sad, the the sads, um, throughout the rest of the episode. But yeah, so we know that that stands for seasonal affective disorder and it is a type of depression that is directly related to changes in season. Um, 99% of the time winter. However, that being said, um, sometimes people do experience it when winter is over and people transition into spring and people experience a different type of depression. It's also seasonal effectiveness disorder, seasonal affective disorder, but some people react negatively to it getting warmer and that actually makes them depressed. Um, which is interesting because I, I mean, as crazy as that sounds, that totally exists and I can actually see why that happens. You know, people do get used to one type of weather, 
Um, and sometimes when things switch, interestingly enough, when I was younger, I really loved winter growing up in California, winters were very mild and I actually really liked the cozy atmospheric winters that I experienced. I liked how they made me feel. I liked rainy days. I liked reading in my bedroom at home as a kid. Um, and I remember feeling a little sad when that was over, not to compare that feeling to true seasonal affective disorder for when people transition from winter to spring, but it's totally a thing. However, what we're probably going to be focusing on is the seasonal affective disorder or the SADs that occur when it gets freaking cold outside <laughs> and when the sun sets at like 3.56 p.m. in it's New York. Bad. It's bad. It's been bad the last few weeks. When I first moved here, I was convinced that it got darker here earlier than it ever did at home because I was mm. like, it never got this dark this early in Minnesota. And I realized I was actually correct because it had never occurred to me before that it matters where you are in the time zone. Yeah. Like how far east or west you are. Mm -hmm. So it actually does get darker earlier in New York than it does in St. Paul, Minnesota. Mm -hmm. Not yeah. by all that much, but enough for me to feel like I was correct. Totally. Yeah. And then and then when we have summers, I love that it stays light here until like 10 p.m. Yeah. You know, it's... um. Life's checks and balances. We get a really intense winter, but summers here, for me, are magical. Endless. Endless. I love the feeling of that 24-hour day which is where it's hot and people are out at all hours of the night and it's still warm and light out at like 10 p.m., but we're not talking about that today. No, no. <laughs> we won't be talking about that for a while, sadly. Um, <laughs> so when you feel seasonal affective disorder, when you feel the SADS, um, your symptoms are uh, depression, low energy, um, pretty intense mood swings. We'll get into more symptoms in a little bit and what causes them. But um, the SADS, something that I <laughs> had the opportunity to bear witness to when I moved to, when I moved to New York. So. Totally. So in terms of what causes it, so I did some research from the Mayo Clinic, mm -hmm. um, and uh, basically we don't totally know what causes seasonal affective disorder. Um, we, scientists think that it has something to do with your biological clock, which is also known as your circadian rhythm, um, because as the amount of sunlight that you get changes, that affects your body clock, and they uh, think that that has something to do with um, what causes, um, seasonal affective disorder. Um, they think it also has to do with serotonin levels, which makes sense because, um, serotonin is something that is, um, that makes you feel positive. Right. Yeah. And it's, uh, issues with serotonin are something that comes up when you're talking about depression in general. Mm -hmm. So it would make sense that it was also, um, a factor here. Um, and uh, reduced sunlight can cause a drop in serotonin, mm -hmm. so makes sense. Um, and melatonin. Yes. Uh, and uh, the change in seasons can disrupt your melatonin levels, um, which plays with your sleep patterns and your mood. And turns out sleep patterns and mood affect how you feel about life. Um, so those are some of the things that scientists think are at play. But I think for most of us who live in a place where it's, like, dark and cold in the winter, we get it, like, intuitively why sad is a thing. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's, for me, it, it was 1,000% the lack of vitamin D um, mm. that I feel like kicked everything off. And then the, so the, the shorter days. So I remember my very first year here when Joanna and I were mere 
you know, kiddos. Babies. We were babies, 18 years old, and, you know, I moved here from California, uh, which you guys all know, so uh, did not experience seasonal affective disorder. Her winter coat was a denim jacket, and we got a big snow our freshman year, and I was like, this is not going to work for Daphne. So I think this may be, hopefully, Joanna, one of your fondest memories of me. Oh, it is? an 18-year-old, four years ago. It's one of the only times I've known more about what to do for something than you. (laughs) I was more prepared than Daphne in this one very specific circumstance. Our our freshman year, um, freshman year at NYU, uh, started to snow, and I had a denim jacket, but it had a fur collar. Right, so you were fine. So I thought I was fine. <laughs> yeah, and I had never bought a hat before, like a hat with a poof on top, like a... Winter <laughs> like a hat? Winter hat. <laughs> it's like, what is this called? A, a cap? I was you talking know? to another friend from California yesterday, because it's very cold, and she was saying when she moved out here for college, she understood that she needed a, a like a puffy coat but she didn't get the idea that you also had to change what else you were wearing yeah so she would yeah. just wear whatever she would wear in California and then put a puffy coat over it yeah, so she'd like so get to class <laughs> and like take off her coat and, and be in like a t-shirt yeah yeah guilty <laughs> totally guilty then when I did discover puffy coats you know a couple of years later um I would totally do that I remember I remember distinctly meeting up with one of our best friends Giancarla who we went to school with and I was in my first long puffer coat, like a coat that goes down to like my a sleeping bag, a sleeping bag jacket. Um, but I had no scarf, and I had like the neck totally open. And she was like, "Are you wearing a tank top underneath that?" I was like, "Yeah, but look at my new coat." And she was like, "You're in a tank top." And so, so I've been learning the past 14 years in New York. What am I saying? Not 14 years, Joanne, and I just moved here four years ago. No. Um, so yeah, when Joanne and I were. 18, my first coat was a denim jacket with fur on the collar, and um, that's when I got it. I'm sure it was also a combination of, like, just freshman year, college stress. I'm sure that played a part in it, but I remember really struggling. Like, for Mm -hmm. me, November and December were totally fine in the sense that I felt like there was enough stimulus and enough fun, happy things happening in terms of holidays and in terms of... um, And actually, I'm still this way to this day. November, December, I'm totally fine. January, I'm okay the first couple weeks. And then it hits me like a brick wall. And it's like this every single year. So every year, I actually try new tactics to implement. Every year, it gets a little bit better. But every year, um, I experience it pretty aggressively. So I think for me, it's the lack of vitamin D. And then the fact that the sun sets sometimes before 4 p.m. here. Um, I remember, you know, when you and I were in conservatory, we would go to school really early. And then by the time we would leave at 6 p.m., um, it would be dark. And I know for a lot of people who worked 9 to 5, 9 to 6, um, and you and I were 9 to 6 at the time, uh, not seeing daylight for a really, really, really long time. And then for me, another factor is, you know, no matter how much I bundle up, um, still being cold, which affects my stress levels. It, it, for me the cold puts a physical stressor on my body. So um, feeling all the signs of seasonal affective disorder, feeling very depressed, very exhausted, um, and feeling kind of like I wanted to cry all the time. And also feeling like I did not have the energy or the oomph to do all the things I loved. It's almost like everything um, is a little bit more of a struggle. So in my day-to-day life now, um, whenever this, the, whenever the sads hit, I mean, it's definitely harder 
waking up earlier and it's dark and cold outside and getting to meet my first client. And then for me, I'm noticing as I'm getting older, I've always pushed through in recent years. And you guys all know I'm more of a night owl in the sense that sometimes for me, I'm most productive at night. Weirdly enough, it's kind of shifting and I'm finding that I am not as much of a night owl as I used to be. And it's getting really hard for me to summon up the energy and to muster up the energy to go into a full evening of work when the sun's already set. Mm-hmm. Knowing the sun has set, but my evening is just about to start and it's going to be insane in the sense that it's clients and teaching classes and, um, and uh, not potentially finishing until very late. It's almost like that's so hard. In the summertime, I can handle that like a champ. It just feels natural and normal and I'm happy and loving life. And then in the winters, that's when I feel... Um, I feel the, the struggle, kind of the, uh, that feels way more laborious. Totally. Well, so a couple things um, that um, you should be on the lookout for in terms of um, who's most at risk for SAD. Mm-hmm. Um, so more women get diagnosed with SAD than men. Um, who knows why that is? It's a mystery yeah. of science. Um SAD occurs more often in younger adults than older adults. So that's interesting that you're saying that you like first noticed it when you were around like 18, 19. Yeah. Um, family history and um, already having a diagnosis of depression or bipolar disorder is a big risk factor. Obviously, if you're already dealing with depression or um, manic depressive disorders, um, the chance that the season change will affect that disorder is higher. So um, if you have family history of depression or you're diagnosed yourself um, and you feel like every uh, winter it gets worse, um, it's possible that your depression might be seasonally related. So that would be something to talk to your doctor about. Um, It's also, and this makes a lot of sense, um, SAD occurs more among people who live further from the equator Mm -hmm. because the amount of light you get, it changes more Mm -hmm. uh, over the year. Um, So that makes sense. Yeah, like people who live in Singapore who are on the equator, actually it's just hot there all the time, so I don't (laughs) know if people love that, but I don't think seasonal affectiveness disorder is a huge thing there. Uh, We can research that. Don't quote me on that, but I just remember spending one Christmas in Singapore and you're on the equator and I have never been so hot in my entire life. Like it was just a hundred degrees, and like, and I loved it. But it, but it was it was an interesting experience. So yes, the equator the equator plays a big part. Totally. Uh, so in terms of talking about symptoms, Daphne mm-hmm. mentioned some symptoms earlier. Um, so when we're talking about um, seasonal affective disorder, so so let me say, many people who live far from the equator, have what we'll call the winter blues, Mm -hmm. which is like a non-diagnosable, just sort of doesn't like uh, keep you from doing the things you love, but you're still aware of it, like sort of bummer feelings in the winter. Mm -hmm. Um, When we're talking about like diagnosable SAD, um, some of those symptoms include feeling depressed most of the day, most days, um, losing interest in things that you used to like. Um, having low energy and problems with your sleep, um, experiencing changes in your appetite or weight, feeling sluggish or or agitated either way, having a hard time concentrating on your work or your school or whatever else you're trying to focus on, um, feeling hopeless or worthless or guilty, um, or at the most extreme end, um, having suicidal thoughts. 
Um, specifically for winter uh, SAD, um, the like weight gain, low energy, oversleeping stuff is a big factor. Um, whereas like with summer, uh, people are more likely to have trouble sleeping, poor appetite, weight loss, and like agitation or anxiety, which is interesting because even those symptoms feel tied into sort of the natural r- rhythm of the seasons where mm-hmm. like a lot of creatures sleep through the winter. They yeah. hibernate. Yeah. And obviously humans don't hibernate, but like there is part of, I think, why um, this, why SAD feels so intuitive is that it just like makes sense to us based on how the rest of the natural world works. Oh my works. gosh, I can't even tell you, I mean, so I'm, I'm actually naturally an introvert, which I know some people might find very bizarre, but but naturally, um, I would say I, I identify as an introvert. I do very many extroverted things, but um, inherently. So when you say that, Joanna, literally all I want to do during the winter I want to hibernate. Like, if I could work from home every single day, um, you know, luckily my, my office is literally, like, a block away from where I live, but but what the hardest thing for me is getting places. It's getting from point A to point B. Once I'm at my clients, I'm fine. Once I'm at my class, I'm fine. Once I'm teaching, once I'm at an appointment, totally fine. It's like mustering up the, I'm going to just say, I'm mustering up the courage to, like, get out of the house like I if I could just work from home all winter and not leave and like you know work out in the gym in my building oh my god I would be so happy if I could just stay indoors from January till March um but I can't and we can't (laughs) and we won't because even though instinctively that is what we that's what mammals do that's what humans did Unfortunately, in this day and life, we cannot do that. I cannot do that, Joanna. Totally. <laughs> Don't let me do that. And no, there's um, a difference between, like, um, wanting to, like, curl up and be cozy and feeling like you want to die. Oh, yeah. And I that's, think, I'm, I'm, I'm the latter. So. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that, um, and I don't mean to say, like, feeling like you want to die. Like, I don't mean to make a joke about people who are suicidal. Um, but I think that... Um, what I'm trying to say is the reason that um, SAD is an actual like diagnosable disorder is that it's more um, the the potential consequences are more than just like I guess they're staying inside a lot this yeah, winter yeah um, and so that's why like um, we want to take uh, SAD really seriously because um, it it can be dangerous to you yeah um, you know if it was just that like we don't go outside as much and then we, but we still feel fine. Um, that wouldn't be a big deal. Um, if it's that like, I have no joy in my life and I'm thinking about suicide, that's like a pretty big deal. Mm-hmm. So, um, you've talked a little bit about your experience, your experience of these things. <laughs> I know. And yeah. And for me, it's like such a real, it's such a real thing. Um, and I do have depression in my, my, I guess like genetics and and I'm very open about that. That's something that I really suffered from when I was, uh, when I was a child and in middle school and high school, um, and in college as well. Um, getting a handle on it by, by really doing things that bring me joy and using, I, I guess like exercise and food and nutrition as a way of resetting my entire body and resetting my hormones so that the that you, I, I keep the de- de- depression at bay, but for people who do have kind of inherent, um, 
some of those qualities, uh, you know, the winter absolutely brings those things to light. Mm -hmm. And I do think it enhances it. I know for me, from a cyclical perspective, uh, you know, the week before I get my period, I normally experience some really drastic emotional swings as it is. It's pretty much like clockwork, and it's to the point where I can anticipate it and do my best to handle, you know, kind of the the depression. And and then the second... um, uh, you know, the second the cycle starts, everything's totally fine. But I noticed that for me in the winter time that week leading up to my cycle, it's it's a lot worse um, from a mood perspective. It's a lot worse from a kind of like a depression perspective. So, uh, and and everyone knows me as, you know, the, I everyone knows that for me, the power of positive thinking is everything like everyone knows like that is literally my brand it is my life it is my business and it comes from this it comes from knowing that it comes from knowing that if you work on yourself and your mind and your body and your soul and just get yourself into the best mindset possible and essentially do things to make you as happy as possible like you can actually get through things successful. You can get through depression and you can get through anxiety and you can get through stress and you can get through seasonal affective disorder. So, um, I'm going to put in a little PSA here just to say often one of the best things you can do to take care of yourself is to see a doctor. Um, so especially when we're talking about depression, um, definitely that's something where there's a lot that you can do on your own that may help you. Um, it is very important to talk to your doctor about depression, whether it's seasonal or not seasonal, um, because you still can do all these more sort of like DIY solutions that we're talking about. Like none of those are going to get in the, like none of those are going to be bad. Like nothing's going to hurt, but, um, off, it's not safe to not also have a doctor in on the action. So, um, I think a lot of people, are afraid of talking to a doctor about depression or they're afraid of being medicated or any of those things. And I would say like, um, do, do not be afraid because you're a a good doctor is your best friend when it comes to dealing with mental health. Um, there's also a lot of other stuff you can do in addition, but it's a partnership thing and it really works the best when you're in partnership with someone who's really an expert. Um, because one of the things about mental health is, at some times, it may mean that you're not the best judge of what's best for you. Um, often, <laughs> we're not the best best judge of what's best for us. That's why people like Daphne are important. That's why having a good doctor is important. So um, everything that we talk about here, um, if if you have some of the more serious symptoms that we're talking about, definitely talk to your doctor about it in addition to doing all this other stuff. Seeing a doctor is part of self-care. All right, PSA over. <laughs> That's a great PSA. That was like, um, that should be a commercial, Joanna. Thank you. I would probably like cut it down a little bit if it was going to be a commercial. 30 seconds. It was a little rambly. Uh, I was just going to say that before we talk about some of the things that you do to combat um, uh, seasonal affective disorder, I just wanted to say that I'm definitely more on the sort of like casual winter blues Mm -hmm. end of this. Um, I, you know, I don't have any of the sort of things that get in the way of my life, but I definitely, like, have a hard time getting motivated sometimes and, like, just feel kind of down sometimes, um, and, and that's legitimate too, like, we're not saying that, like, you only need to deal with this if it's, like, destroying your life, um, 
if you uh, feel like this affects you in any way, there are things you can do. So it's it's totally legitimate to want to talk about this stuff, even if you're more like me, and it's more of, more of a sort of casual, like, I don't know, in the winter, it's kind of a bummer sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's totally legit, too. Um, it's not the same as having a diagnosed disorder, and that's okay. <laughs> yeah. I think it's, this is for sure one of the, one of the disorders where there's a huge spectrum and, um, and all of these things, all of the, the tips we're about to give you guys, uh, granted a lot of them are, are, I'm not going to lie, basic self-care, but, but that directly correlate with seasonal effectiveness. Um, but regardless of what the range is, I mean, obviously like, like what you just said in your PSA, if the range is a little bit more severe, um, if, if you are in the realm of, uh, of course, you know, suicidal thoughts, then 1000% see a doctor. Um, and I'm excited to talk about all the ways that all the, all the ways that people deal with seasonal effectiveness and all the things that I do and, um, all the things I'm going to try this year. Nice. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, this is sort of repeating what I said before, but, uh, I looked up on the Mayo Clinic when to see a doctor and it basically says it's normal to feel down some days If you feel down for multiple days at a time, if you can't get motivated to do things you normally enjoy, um, if you're having sleep issues and appetite changes, if you're turning to alcohol for comfort or relaxation, um, if you're feeling hopeless or thinking about suicide, those are all definite signs that you need to get a doctor involved ASAP. Um, On the other hand, the first part of that is it's normal to have some days when you feel down. Totally. So if you are a person who, like, once in a while feels down during the winter, um, don't panic. It's totally normal. There's stuff you can do. So both sides of this coin. All right, so let's talk about some stuff we can do. Can we talk about the very first one being one of the biggest ones and I think one of the most important? Exercise. Oh, you're so annoying, Daphne. I know, I know. <laughs> so predictable. Oh, the look you just shot me. Um, <laughs> exercise is number one. Exercise is critical. Um, exercise balances hormones and stabilizes your mood and makes you feel good. And some people are able to avoid the sads completely just with exercise um, and, and just depression in general. So that's something that exercise can help tremendously with. It's such a double-edged sword. Um, one thing I've heard from friends that suffer from depression is, like, exercise. Um, there's evidence, there is some evidence that exercise can be um, nearly as effective as some medication. Mm-hmm. Obviously not for all people, but um, in some cases. But the very nature of depression makes it even harder to get oh, yourself to exercise. For sure. It's like, yes, thanks, brain and body. I Way know. to work together. I know. So this is when I this is when I am just going to say it, but you just have to do it. The brain will talk itself out of something. You have five seconds to make a choice before your brain talks itself out of something. So in those five seconds, just get your butt out the door. Mm-hmm. Just do it. Just get your body into your sports bra and shorts and work out in your apartment. You know, like anything, because you are guaranteed to feel better afterwards. Um, I know for sure. I always do. And. You're totally right, Jonah. The last thing I want to do when it is, <laughs> the last thing I want to do is, well, first of all, go outdoors. <laughs> but um, uh, but mustering up the energy and the excitement to work out. I mean, it's so easy in the summers. In the summers, I, if I literally have half an hour free, I'll throw on my running clothes and I will go outside and run and break a sweat and be a happy camper. I'm not running outdoors when it's a 17 degrees outside. I'm just not. I'm And that's not. good. And that's okay. Like, it's okay. You can still be a runner and not run outdoors during the winter. Um, 
but, but, and we'll talk about like winter running. We've talked about it in so many episodes. I, I love it when it gets to like, you know, 35, 40 degrees, but, um, 17 is just not happening. Even Daphne but, has a limit. Yeah. But you know, I, I get myself to the gym and I make myself sweat. Sweat is so powerful when it comes to depression. Um, sweating and exercise is absolutely critical. Um, I do believe in a lot of other forms of exercise where you don't sweat as much, but there is something about just breaking a big exhausted sweat that just leaves all that stressful energy in you. It just gets it out of your system. So exercise, just do it. This seems to me like a thing where A, um, doing it preventatively is a good idea because once you're already in the throes of depression, like we said, it's really hard to start. So if you know that you have um, seasonal affective disorder, um, prep by making exercise a regular part of your routine. Yeah. Hopefully it will help um, uh, lessen the effect of um, the disorder in general, but also like you'll already have started before you're feeling bad. Yeah. And so that's helpful. Another thing too, um, uh, humans, we as mammals, we really respond to the circadian rhythm. So when the sun's setting at 4 p.m., that's signaling our bodies to start to slow down, or signaling our brains to start to slow down, our energy levels start to dip, even our digestion slows down, which is why we're really not supposed to eat too much once the sun sets, or eat too big of a meal once the sun sets. So we'll say in New York, if like if the sun's setting at 4 p.m., and you know that you're going to hit a slump, and you know you're not going to work out in the evening after work, do it before work. Do it when the sun's still out. Just do it. Mm-hmm. That's something like I can't stress enough. Um, if you need a buddy, this would be a good circumstance to have a an exercise buddy, um, someone who, when your brain is talking yourself out of it, is there to be like, no, like let's let's go. Mm-hmm. Um, you can have your your sad buddy. It's amazing what happens when you have a, a workout partner, or when you have someone who is going to hold you accountable, or someone you have to meet. Um, and it's also helpful registering for classes. You've mm-hmm. already paid for them. Um, if you schedule appointments with your personal trainer, me, um, uh, if you register for classes and you know you have to go or else you will lose out on that money, then just, just do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do what works for you. Mm -hmm. All right. What are some other, um, remedies we can do for ourselves? So some other remedies, some of the things that I do, um, okay. So vitamin D, (laughs) vitamin D is what goes away when we do not get any sunshine. And, and that's because, like, sunshine activates something in our bodies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we actually get it directly from the sun. But we can also get it in food. Uh, we can also get it in supplements. Now, in terms of my personal relationship with vitamin D, uh, I, I, I do not – I actually don't take a vitamin D supplement. And that's actually something that I want to explore hmm. this winter. I do take one. So, yes, yeah. And, and I have been – I had taken so many multivitamins in the past and – um, and they are, very, I think they're very, very, very beneficial. And the multivitamins contained vitamin D in them. And I did not take a separate vitamin D. Did I still feel seasonal effectiveness disorder every year? <laughs> yeah, you know, quite a bit. But for me this year, um, so all, all the research that Joanne and I have done, a lot of people say taking vitamin D supplements helps a ton with mood stability. Um, so something I'm going to recommend Another thing you can do, and this is actually something else that I'm going to try, which kind of kills like two birds with one stone. I am, this winter, I'm going to be trying infrared 
light therapy sauna. Whoa. Yeah, so that's essentially combining two things that really help with seasonal effectiveness, seasonal affective disorder, which is sweating and sauna. Sauna itself, that's I would say that that's my next one after exercise. Um, I should have just segued into sauna use, but um, this kind of will segue into that. So, you know, we've covered exercise, we've covered vitamin D supplements, and now we're just covering light therapy and sweat. So um, light therapy is a big thing. People are starting to use light therapy boxes where you order this type of light you kind of sit in front of it for a couple hours a day. Another form of light therapy, it's another type of alarm clock that actually emits light like a sunrise when you want it to, um, or when you're ready to wake up. Stuart and I were contemplating ordering one, but the thing is we wake up at different times. So now <laughs> I actually... Sun can't rise twice. Exactly. So, you know, I actually wake up before Stuart now. Um, so I don't want this to affect his sleep because he can, you know, sleep in until till the, the, you know, late time of, of 8 a.m., whereas <laughs> I'm up at um, 6.15 now. So I, um, so there's those light therapy boxes. One's just a regular light therapy box, and one is the light therapy alarm clock. Literally, Amazon Prime, all of this, you guys can Google it. Um, we don't need to list any specific brands. These are becoming big things out there that are kind of scientifically proven to really help with mood. Now, what my plan is, is to start doing infrared sauna about once a week, and it's light therapy, but in an infrared sauna. Um, don't ask me to explain infrared. I'll, I'll research that a little <laughs> bit more. I just know it's like a more effective form of light and sauna. I'm not even going to pretend. We'll just... We'll... It sounds good to you. It sounds, yeah. I was going to say that in t- going back to the light therapy boxes... Um, when I was doing some research in preparation for this episode, one thing they said is if you're considering a light therapy box, there's a big range of products from sort of like, I'm just a rando on Amazon who made a lamp to like, this is a like scientific, like, um, a product that could be like prescribed to you by a doctor. Mm-hmm. So if you're if you're interested in light therapy, um, talk to your doctor about what you should get because there are different like, spectrums of light, there are different strengths of light, and the strength of the light affects how long you need to sit in front of the light to get the benefits. And obviously, like, staring directly into light could be bad for your eyes, so you want to make sure that you know what you're doing. So just talk to your doctor if you're interested in a light therapy box. I don't think they have to be super expensive. You just want to make sure you're getting an actual thing and not just, like, a lamp. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, You don't want to get something that is just a bedside Right. You know, reading lamp. Yeah, just that, staring at your lamp is not going right, to give you the same, right. yeah. the same effect. Make sure it's not a bedside lamp that's getting marketed as a right. as something that is um, going to help you with your seasonal effective. That being disorder. said, like, if you are on the more, like, winter blues, more casual end of this, like I am, and you just like your bedside lamp, that's fine. Like, if it gives you pleasure, great. Um, there's nothing wrong with something that just gives you pleasure because you just like it. Um but if you think you're getting something that's like prescription strength and you're not, that's what we want to avoid. Yeah. So um, looking up a little bit more into this infrared sauna versus normal sauna. So Joanna and I, we, we sauna pretty frequently. <laughs> not together. <laughs> no, but... <laughs> although that would be fun. That would be super fun. Um, we should do like a Great Jones Spa Day. Mm. Uh, so so the sauna, it's, it's a big wooden box. <laughs> Sauna's dry heat, 
So we've, t- we've spoken about this before in other episodes, but just to recap, sauna and steam rooms are very different, and the sauna is actually better for you. The steam room is more comfortable, but the sauna is better for you. It's dry heat. It forces your body to produce its own sweat. Um, the, the benefits of sauna for metabolism and circulation and heart rate and digestion and, um, and depression are... I mean, huge, huge. There is so much research out there. I just listened to an entire podcast episode um, with Dr. Rhonda Patrick, and she was interviewing a, um, a a doctor from Finland where the sauna was originated. And they were going over all the health benefits. And basically, you can change your life if you sauna for thirty minutes three times a week. Like you can, you can beat this. You can, you can just be more awesome at life. That and it's relaxing, and you just feel good. So the main difference between an infrared and a regular sauna. So infrared saunas. I've actually never been in an infrared sauna before, but the heat's actually a little bit lower. But because it's infrared, the effects are able to like penetrate your body a little bit deeper. Mm. Then you throw in that light therapy, and that's supposedly what will help with mood. So this winter, I plan on going to um, Higher Dose, which is just a new cool place in New York. (laughs) And it's um, an infrared sauna facility. You'll have to tell us how it goes. I will. I will. But I would like to... It's what I'm asking for for Christmas from everyone (laughs) in my life. I've been wanting to go for about a year now is when I first heard of it. And um, I will be experimenting with that. So I'll let you guys know. We'll do a follow-up episode. Saunas are interesting because they're an older technology. Like, saunas have been around forever. Mm -hmm. And you saying that they come from Finland. Guess what's real far from the equator? Finland. Exactly. Um, Scandinavian countries have even less daylight in the winter than we do at our New York uh, latitude and longitude. Mm -hmm. And um, they have a lot of strategies for um, dealing with winter blues Mm -hmm. because it's like a big factor in their country. Um, Like you were talking about when you spent time in Denmark and how like everything in the winter was like geared towards improving your mood and stuff. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I actually made a note um, to talk about that. That's actually a huge thing I want to discuss because uh, when I lived in Copenhagen for those few months after college, I was performing there. Um, I, you would think that the seasonal affective disorder would be the worst there because it gets dark so early and it is so cold. Um, however, Denmark is the happiest country in the entire world. Lowest rate of stress, depression, anxiety, suicide, just the happiest people, even though it's the coldest. The reason why? Community. So something about the Danish culture, just kind of throughout the entire year, but especially during the winter, the sense of community is its highest. Whereas in New York, it can be very different in the sense that we're surrounded by people all the time, but a lot of times people are really trying to find their communities. So really surrounding people, people were really surrounding themselves with friends and family that they loved. And I think it also plays into the fact that work stress in a lot of European countries is very different from work stress here in either America and especially in New York. So in Copenhagen, the workday's done by 4 p.m. Everything shuts down by 4 p.m. You're forced to go and hang out with friends and family in people's homes or in bars. Um, I like that you say forced. (laughs) Yeah, right? It's like there's a little bit more of a push onto the family time during the entire winter versus just work your butt off, like, which I feel like in New York, that's, or at least in my experience, I, I, I'm not going to speak for everyone, um, but uh, 
there's not as much of this hustle. Also, in Danish culture, there there's even a word for it in Danish that I don't know. But Uga. The, is that what it is? Are you gonna? Is it like that sort of the, coziness or like? Oh, oh no! I was gonna oh. say they have a word where you don't want to try to be better than anyone else. Oh no! Nope, totally so wrong no. word. <laughs> My friend Johanna is Danish, and she's gonna be like, oh yeah, oh, no. so, uh, yeah. Well, I like huga, but that's the coziness, which essentially mm-hmm. is what keeps people from getting the seasonal affective disorder. Um, but because... Sort of like the opposite of competitiveness is exactly, what you're talking about. Exactly. They talk about this a lot. I mean, I learned this when I was there. I was sitting next to a fantastic Danish family on a flight back from... I was in Prague. Um, and they were visiting New York and they were on the same flight as me. And they even mentioned that 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 feeling of, you know, you don't put your... You don't try to make yourself... You don't hustle. Like, you don't... Like, you love what you do and you do your job and there's no ego involved and it's which is the exact opposite of New York which is the exact opposite of why people come to New York and um you know we come to New York to, to hustle and we come to New York to actually I don't love the term hustle um I I like to work with you know elegance and grace but <laughs> um uh but I think that going back to this community feel um really finding a community and also not pushing yourself as hard. I think that is why Copenhagen and Denmark, uh, why, why Denmark is the happiest country in the entire world, despite the fact that they get the least amount of daylight of most countries than any other country. They are so far from the equator and there is no sunlight during the winter, zero. And when I lived there, I was the happiest I've ever been in my entire life. And I mean, no, that's not true. I'm really happy right now. <laughs> but you were of, very happy. I was very happy. This was like 22-year-old Daphne, you know, figuring out what I wanted to do with my life. And I was so, so, so happy. But I'm so happy now. So <laughs> That's good. But so, yeah, so that's, that's the community aspect of it. And one thing I was going to say is, you know, we can't this winter change the American emphasis on individual achievement. I know, seriously. That's out of the, uh, out of the scope. Yeah. Uh, but what we can do is... Um, <laughs> you know, try to make sure that we're making plans for ourselves that involve quality time with the people in our community. Totally. Whether that is, you know, Pizza Friday with your family, whether that is, like, your book club, mm-hmm. make sure you keep meeting during the winter, yeah. um, whether it's just, like, going out with friends, even yeah. though it's cold, um, figuring out ways to stay um, hooked into your community during yes, the winter is something you have control over. For sure. Even yeah. if we can't all make our work days end at 4 p.m. I know, right? One of these days, I'm going to put that out into the universe. It's, it's going to happen. That's my goal. That's my plan. I want to, my like next year of life, or maybe I'll make this happen sooner. I want to be done with work when the sun sets. Like that's 1000%. I just want to listen to my body's circadian rhythm. And, um, but yeah, so that's just me. I'm going to manifest that. More power so, to you. So yeah. Um, I see but, um, aromatherapy on okay, this list. So another, a few other things, like these are things that are researched and things that we have, um, Things that are very supported and things that I have definitely started implementing into my life this season. Um, so aromatherapy. I have started to sleep. I, I sleep pretty well as it is. I have discovered a new thing that has like changed my life. It's a lavender pillow spray. Mm. And it knocks me out. So all it is, it's, I don't even know the brand. I got it in my FabFitFun box and it's like changed my life. You literally spray it on your pillow and it's lavender essential oils and you like, you don't break out or anything. Like it just like scents your pillow. 
But the crazy thing is, so this is going to sound weird. I've actually never liked essential oils. Mm-hmm. Um, like I hate like not smelling like me. Yeah. So whenever, and I get a lot of body work done, like, you know, you know what I think this stems from when I was younger, you know, my parents always getting these like Chinese massages and like just the smell of Chinese herbs. I was like, ugh, you know, like. This is where I should point out that Daphne is Chinese in case you don't know. By the way, I'm Chinese (laughs) and that's why I can say this. (laughs) Um, So that's why I've never really liked the smell of essential oils. Like I hate leaving a therapist's office or or like Like a massage therapist therapist or, or even like acupuncture. And I don't like it when I have all the smells of the oils on me. It's like really weird. I have to go home and shower right away. This is getting really deep into my neurosis of smells. But anyways, <laughs> so. Um, but you love so, the lavender. But I love the lavender because it just gently scents my pillow. But the crazy thing, what it does is it forces me to take these like way more calmer inhales and exhales. And as a result, I fall asleep instantaneously. And that's never been the case with me my entire life. So it's working. And it's forcing me to calm my breathing before bed because when you take that first inhale of it, it forces me to actually breathe through my nose, whereas normally I just breathe through my mouth. And then um, and then I'm just out like a light. So enhancing quality of sleep is one of the best ways to also deal with seasonal affective disorder. So aromatherapy, um, which is like so, such, a, such an inexpensive way to help with the, the SADS. So in terms of food and mood... Food and mood. Food and mood um, really, really, really affects the SADS in the sense that there is such a thing as a food hangover, and there's food grogginess, and there's a sugar hangover as well. So my biggest recommendation, this is also going to circle back to quality of sleep, but also help with depression and also wanting to like wake up and jumpstart your day. Um, when you go to bed on a full stomach, And when you go to bed, especially on a full stomach after having eaten a lot of carbohydrates, you are going to wake up feeling groggier and you are going to wake up still digesting the food that you had eaten the night before. And then you are going to want to essentially sleep until it's finished digesting. So from an energetic standpoint, there's no way you're going to be bounding out of bed and feeling light and airy and refreshed and ready to start your day if you have too much food in your system. So give yourself that cutoff time. Follow the circadian rhythm. Follow the circadian rhythm when it comes to your eating window and try to get your dinner in a little bit early so you go to bed completely digested and so you go to bed with a bit of an empty stomach so you actually wake up ready for food, therefore ready for life. Ready for life. Ready for food, ready for life. Daphne Yang story. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, so those are some great things that we can do on our own and I just want to emphasize again that if you're feeling down... um, many days in a row, or you um, have a history of depression in your family or for yourself, or um, you're feeling like you're unable to do the things you want to do, definitely talk to your doctor. There's a lot of different things they might recommend. They might recommend you start with some of these things we've talked about. They might recommend medication. They might recommend psychotherapy. Um, But getting a doctor on your team um, is, is a great move. And this is something you can even talk about just with your, um, general practitioner when you go in for like a regular checkup. Um, just mention this and say like, Hey, this is on my mind. What do you suggest? And they can tell you, um, a good solution for you. Um, I'm going to do a little takeaway. Mm -hmm. Are you ready? Yeah. All right. So it's winter. 
if you're living in the Northern Hemisphere, it's cold and it's dark. And so uh, today we're talking about seasonal affective disorder and the sort of much more casual version, which we are calling the winter blues. Um, and uh, seasonal affective disorder is a type of depression that's related to the changing of the seasons. Um, scientists think it may have to do with your biological clock, has to do with serotonin and melatonin, has to do with light, all of those things disrupting how your body and your brain work. Um, and there's a real range. So there are people who, um, like me, sort of just get winter blues, where like once in a while, some days they feel kind of down. And then there's uh, sort of on the other spec end of the spectrum is like, not to say like the Daphne end of the spectrum, <laughs> but people for whom it's more like, like in the middle. Of yeah, the Daphne's spectrum. probably in the yeah. middle. And then there's the, the far end, which is saying that you're feeling depressed most of the day every day. Um, you have uh, problems sleeping, eating, concentrating. It's getting the way of your life and it can't even get to the point of um, thinking about suicide. So that's definitely like a, the range of stuff that we're talking about here. Um, and regardless of what it is, talk to your doctor about it because they can make sure that you're getting the help you need. Once you've talked to your doctor or if you um, know that like it's just the winter blues for you, it's just once in a while, but you still want to do what you can to boost yourself over this long cold winter. Um, Daphne says exercise like she says for everything, uh, <laughs> but it really can make a difference. Um, trying to um, get nutritious foods and giving yourself a cutoff time, um, talking to your doctor about potentially taking a vitamin D supplement, um, talking to your doctor about light therapy boxes, using a sauna so you get all nice and warm from the inside out, um, aromatherapy to help with your sleep, uh, and uh, staying linked in with your community so that um, you have that support system. And also, it's fun to be with other people. It is. And having fun is good for you. How'd I do, Daphne? That was great. Um, yeah, I would throw in add nutritious foods, don't eat too much sugar too late at night to avoid the, the post-sugar grogginess the next morning. Um, and also, a lot of people recommend just getting daylight if you can. I find that sometimes hard because you're just covered up anyways. <laughs> but if that does make you feel better to get outside when it's not too cold out and even walk around, that's also really helpful. But um, I do I do kind of love closing off with the community aspect because mm -hmm. I really feel, you know, if those people in Copenhagen, if they are the happiest country of, in Denmark, if they're the happiest country in the entire world, I think we can take a cue from them. Totally. Mm -hmm. And before we end, because we did talk about suicide, um, if you are thinking about suicide, the National Suicide Prevention Hotline is available 24 hours a day. Um, that number is 1-800-273-8255. Again, that's 1-800-273-8255. Um, it's always a great resource if you need it. Thanks, Daphne. You're welcome. This is a feature we call Best Choice, where I talk to Daphne about the menu of a fast, casual restaurant that can be found around the country, and she helps us look at the menu and make a great choice. Now, the uh, stipulation Daphne always makes is if this is a place that you're going for a special occasion or you only go a couple times a year, just get what you want. Like, do your thing. But what we're talking about today is say this is a place you end up having to go a lot for one reason or another, and so you want to make uh, as nutritious a choice as you can, Daphne's going to help us navigate the menu. So the place that we're talking about today is Denny's. Oh, Denny's. I have a... I have a... 
soft spot in my heart for Denny's because I, growing up, like in Danville, California, that was like one of the only diners around. Well, this is a funny thing. So th- we didn't grow up with diners. Yeah, on the East Coast, the idea of like a place like Denny's or Perkins is really bizarre to people because they're like... So it's like a diner, but it's a chain. Yeah. But they don't have diners in the rest of the country. No. So, uh... Yeah. So this was, like, a fun place we went to, like, when we were all of age. and We could totally like, go to, like, a late night place. It was, like, you'd either go to In-N-Out or Denny's, like, after you, I don't know, went to the football game or, um... We had a 24-hour like, Perkins, which is where we went after our, um, Thespian Society shows. <laughs> Such a thespian. <laughs> um, so... Here is my, um, do I eat at Denny's currently? I do not eat at Denny's currently. You didn't eat a Grand Slam, Daphne? (laughs) No, I haven't eaten at at Denny's since I was probably 18 years old. But if I were to eat at a Denny's right now... Oh, let me guess. Would it be the Lumberjack Slam? (laughs) Probably. Um, That looks very, very tasty. (laughs) I know this Denny's, all the photos look hysterical. All the food looks like it's plastic. (laughs) None of this food looks real and that's totally fine. I'm sure it looks real when you're actually there. So you'll even notice there's a section on um, the Denny's menu called Fit Fair. Uh, I'm actually going to just recommend avoiding the Fit Fair section. You'll even notice some of the Fit Fair uh, options are like there's still a whole bunch of like English muffins and jams on the sides and there's still pancakes in the Fit Fair section. So honestly this is what I would do. I would just get a steak Cobb salad. Hmm. That's what I would do. That's like legitimately what I would do. Why is that? Why would you do, make because that choice? I would make that choice because my first thing is I want to get the protein first and then I want to get the vegetables. And, um, and then in terms of the accoutrement, you can totally uh, customize those. So you can have them. Um, so it's the prime rib Cobb salad. And you'll see on this Cobb salad... You have tomatoes and avocado and a hard-boiled egg and steak, and it's on mixed greens. There's also breadsticks, I think some dried cranberries, cheese, and bacon. I would probably eliminate the breadsticks because I don't feel like those would just add much from a flavor perspective. Um, I would leave the cranberries. The cheese I would probably eliminate because I'm, a little, I'm like mild lactose. lactose intolerant. I would for sure leave the bacon because bacon. <laughs> and um, and then I would do my own dressing and I would just do a mix of like olive oil and, and probably like balsamic vinegar. And boom, like there you have an awesome nutritious meal that's high in protein, high in fiber from the greens and the tomatoes, high in protein from the steak and, um, and the eggs. And then you get your healthy fats anytime there's avocado on something. I am a happy camper. In my mind, you cannot have too much avocado. Um, just for um, truth in broadcasting, those aren't breadsticks. They're potato sticks. So <laughs> just so we're clear. Just eliminate them. What, <laughs> <laughs> what the steaks are. Uh, ha, steaks. Um, I think it's also fun because, um, at least for me, I don't eat prime rib that often. So even though you're getting something uh, with the, like, like on purpose to make a more nutritious choice, getting the steak option as opposed to just like the chicken option still to me would feel like an indulgence. Yeah. And so that's kind of fun too, because you're more likely to make a choice if it doesn't feel like a bummer. Mm -hmm. If there's like something about it that really excites you Yeah. because we don't want you eating food that isn't exciting to you. Yeah. You can avoid it. And you can get exciting food at chain restaurants Mm -hmm. Uh, for the most part. Not everyone lives in, you know, major metropolitans where we don't have chain restaurants. For the most part, people have chain restaurants, and totally cool. Totally cool. Get the prime rib. That's right. Well, thanks for helping us make the best choice, Daphne.
Thanks for listening to Just One More with Joanna and Daphne. Our show is hosted by Daphne Yang and me, Joanna Shaw-Flam. We're produced and edited by me. Our theme music is by Hannah vs. The Many, who you can hear at hannahvsthemany.com. We'll be back next week. You can make sure you don't miss an episode by subscribing to Just One More on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, or whatever you use to listen to podcasts. For show notes and help subscribing, you can go to our website, justonemorepodcast.com. Let us know what you think. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at justonemorepod, on Facebook at facebook.com slash justonemorepodcast, or you can email us at info at justonemorepodcast.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week.